We're going to be looking at uh, the trap. Uh, the way that if we're not careful, we can get entrapped by the world or by the devil through various ways, schemes, and ways that the devil tries to entrap us to do things. You know, if you've been born again, and we're going to talk about that a little bit toward the end, but if you've been born again, and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, the devil's going to try to set traps for you. He really ain't got to set traps for other people. You know why? They already trapped. So we're going to look at some forms of trapness this morning. We're going to look at a few instances within the Bible, and we're going to talk about some traps. I don't want to offend anyone about the way I talk about some trapping a little bit later on, but it's not my intent to do any of that. My intent is to, to give you an understanding of how traps work, okay? So I just want to say that up front. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, King Darius with uh, Daniel and the lion's den. We're going to be talking about Balaam and Balak. We're going to be talking about the fall of man in the garden uh, with, the, with the devil and the serpent. You know, the thing about it is, you know, we would have it made if Adam and Eve had been from Louisiana. <laughs> Think about it. Because if they had, if they'd have left the apple and they'd ate the serpent. <laughs> huh? Think about it. That's kind of funny, ain't it? Anyway, we're going to be looking at some entrapments uh, this morning. So let's just kick this thing off and let's get it started. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses here and there. But before we read them, I'm going to lead you up to the scripture. So Daniel chapter 6 is Daniel in the lion's den. Okay, most of you have heard about that. Um, so what had happened was, the, the, the thing about Daniel, if you read the whole book of Daniel, you realize that all this stuff of Daniel was when he was in captivity in Babylon, and then the Medes and Persians took over, and this particular one was with the Medes and Persians, with King Darius. Uh, but there was always that worldly part of Babylon and Medes and Persians that was always trying to entrap Daniel. And the beauty of it was Daniel didn't fall for that mess, okay? And another thing is Daniel didn't waver from anything that he was supposed to do. Daniel always did what he was supposed to do. They did not like that. So in this part of Daniel chapter 6, the, the, the other leaders within the, organization, within the government, if you will, tried to set a trap for Daniel because Daniel was third in line. They were under Daniel and they were trying to set a trap for Daniel to get rid of Daniel to get his influence, his godly influence, out of government. Does that sound familiar? I just throw that in. I'm going to try not to be political, but I'm going to be all kinds of political this morning. Because I can. Right, so the thing about it was, they were trying to get rid of Daniel. So they set up a trap for Daniel. And they went to the king and said, for 30 days, they set a decree for 30 days that for anyone that would make any kind of petition to any other person, God, or anything other than the king would be thrown in the lion's den, and they talked him into it. Now, the king fell for the trap, and we're going to see that in a minute because he, said, he just as good as says it, okay? And we're going to look at uh, his displeasement of it 
and what happens through it. So as I'm reading this and you're looking at that, I always remember we got to look for the trap, right? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on, how you have to hide the trap. You have to take a, a person's mind or an animal's mind off of the trap in order to trap them, okay? You got to be able to get their mind off of it. And they were able to get King Darius's mind off of it, and then he realizes that. Let's look at our scripture. Daniel chapter 6, verse 13. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is of the captives of Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So Daniel, what Daniel was doing was, you have to realize Daniel was in, was in captivity. And in captivity, they didn't have... The, the temple going, they didn't have the daily sacrifices or none of that. So what Daniel did was each time during the day when there would have been daily sacrifices throughout the day, Daniel would stop what he was doing, open his window toward Jerusalem, and pray to God. Okay, that was what he did every day. And then it was his own thing, that's what he did for God. And then they was trying to stop that. They was trying to entrap him through what he does. Daniel don't fall for that crap. Okay, let's look. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with who? Himself. You know why? He just realized, I just fell for a trap. I just fell for a trap. He was trapped into this. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. Now, look, the king... The worldly king, the kings of the Medes and Persians, set himself, set in his heart to deliver Daniel because he realized they'd both, they'd both been caught in a trap. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which a king establishes may be changed. So in other words, they're saying, you've got to do this. The decree was anyone who did not, that did anything other than bound to the king would be thrown in the lion's den. They come to the king and said, you've got to do this. So if you go on and read that, I'm not going to read it on further, but if you'll go back to Daniel chapter 6 and read that, you'll see that what the king did that night, after he put him in the lion's den, the king fasted and prayed all night long for Daniel. Now, there's a little key to that going on. You remember sometimes when they come to Jesus and said, why didn't this happen or why didn't this be delivered or this being healed or whatever? What did we do wrong? And Jesus said, some of these things are only done through prayer and fasting. Remember that? The re you know why? Here's a, you know what? Fasting, it, it took me a while. I'm a slow learner. It took me a while to realize what prayer and fasting is for. When you fast, you make your flesh weak, right? Because we need to eat, okay? But when you fast and then you pray, you pray when you're fasting, the flesh is weak, but the spirit gets stronger and stronger. Even the king of Medes and Persians knew that through his prayer and fasting, 
that it could make his spirit strong to stand before the devil and before the people. Y'all see what I'm saying? Remember, it, our fight isn't with, with flesh and blood. Our fight is with the spirit, right? Each time you pray and fast, you build that spirit for that warfare, and that's what he did. And then you'll find out then later on that when he went back the next morning to holler for Daniel, Daniel was still there, that the, that, that the Lord had closed the mouths of the lions. And if you've read it, or if you go back and read it, you're going to see where then the king has all of his accusers and their family and their sons and daughters, the whole bunch was all thrown into the lions then, and the lions tore them apart. What's that saying? It's saying a couple of things. One is, watch for the trap. Okay? And I'm going to tell you in a few moments how you watch for the trap. But you watch for the trap. But guess what? Don't set a trap for somebody else. That's wrong. Too many times there's Christians setting traps for other Christians. Anytime you've got to try to make somebody else look bad to make you look good, that don't work. Be very, very careful that you don't set a trap. Even unknowingly, do not set traps for other people. That's just one of them. Let's look at the next one. <clears throat> next one's in Numbers 22. Now, I'm not going to read that. It it's actually goes through three chapters with the whole thing. But Numbers 22, if you'll go and read it, that's the Balaam, the Balak and Balaam story. Okay? Balak is the king of the, of, of the Moabites, of Moab. And he had seen how God had favored the, the nation of Israel and he was afraid that Israel, Israel was going to rise up against him. So he had his men to go to Balaam to get him to curse the nation of Israel so that he won't fall victim to them. Okay, that's what's going on. They come to him. He sends some of his noble people with some gifts and odd and things to Balaam. Balaam says, well, hold on right now. Spend the night. Let me go to God. And then I'll come back and give you your answer. He goes, and then God goes to him. said, who's these people? <laughs> Remember something. Even as adults, and you kids, for any kid, kids remember something. When mom and daddy asked you a question, they know the answer. Y'all with me? They know the answer, right? And God asked him, said, who's these men? And he said, oh, these are guys from Balak. They come to give me a thing I, I, to go and uh, curse Israel. God said, you can't do that. Whom I've blessed can't be cursed. Whom I've cursed can't be blessed. You ought to know better. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. That's some of, I, 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 that's some of Frog's version. There's all different kind of versions. If I'd have read it, I would have led it from the King James, I mean from the New King James Version this morning because we're going to wind up as a donkey in there. Uh, some people get to acting like the King James Version of the donkey. But anyway, yeah, uh, some of you got it. <laughs> I better be careful. My editor is saying, move on. <laughs> so what happened was they come back to him again and said, the king's bringing you a blank check. We need to get these people cursed. You know what he does? 
He goes to God again. God said, go on with him. Now, let me tell you what's going on with that. Just because he said it, you're supposed to already know. He's supposed to already know. I don't care how many times you come to God. You can't curse who my blessed. You can't bless who I've cursed, right? The answer is not going to change, right? But he comes to God again trying to get another answer because he wants that blank check. Be careful not to fall for the trap to get that blank check because I'm going to go ahead and tell you something right now. Nothing's free. Nothing is free. I don't care what this crazy government tells you, nothing is free. We're paying for the COVID era right now. Well, you believe it or not, it don't matter what you believe, what you think, or what you feel. You cannot change or alter the truth. Look for the truth. Right? Nothing's free. Your salvation's not free. It was paid for with a price. By the blood of Christ on a cross 2,000 years ago. Your salvation was paid for. It ain't free. Y'all with me? I throw that in for free. Where am I at? Oh, yeah. God told him, said, go on. But I ain't changed. My answer's the same. And he went. And then God was displeased that he went. Now, wait a minute. God said, go on with him. Let me explain that a little further. For some of you as old as I am, y'all might know I'm talking about some younger group probably ain't never had this happen. But there's times that you do not do what your mama says do. You say, now wait a minute. There's times that you don't do what your mama says do. Let me give you an illustration. Say that again. Y'all with me? God said, go on. In other words, he said, go on. See what happens. So he gets on his new King James Version donkey. And he's riding with them. Y'all with me? And he's riding there going with them. And then the angel of the Lord standing away and the donkey sees him, but he don't. And he's got his sword ground and the donkey runs out to the side. And he beats the donkey back in the way. Then he goes a little bit further and he's crushed within, got two walls. And then he, and the, the donkey runs out to the side, crushes his leg, and he starts whooping on the donkey again. Then, then the angel of the Lord stands in the, in the way of the place that they couldn't get by, and the donkey just run out in the field and lay down. What did he do? He started whooping the donkey. And guess what happened? God opened the mouth of a donkey and said, have I not been your good donkey all these years? You know what he said? Well, yeah, you have. A donkey just talked to you. <laughs> and he is so entrapped that he just goes talking about it to the donkey. Yeah, yeah, you've been a pretty good donkey. If a donkey started talking to me, I'd have took him to the county fair. <laughs> right? Anyway, I need to move on. My editor's saying move on. Then God opened his eyes that he's seen the angel standing in place and then told him, if it hadn't been for your donkey, I would have killed you by now. Sometimes we need a donkey to talk to us 
And when he does, pay attention. Okay? Even if it's a King James donkey. <laughs> pay attention sometimes. Right? I just throw that in. Y'all with me? Let's look at another one. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. This is the fall of man. I'm going to read, I'm going to read this, this scripture. This is the fall of man. This is in the garden. Uh, when the serpent come, you know, it wasn't Louisiana or the serpent beneath, right? Verse 1 said, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, You can't eat, nor can you touch it, lest you die. Now, now right there the first time, right off the bat, that mankind entered in something else other than what God said. Okay? So she started getting the NIV version of it. You know what I'm talking about, the nearly inspired version? <laughs> I really don't care what version you use. Don't use NIV. I don't really care which one you use, though, but I always remember something. If you don't do it with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're going to miss it anyway. I don't care which one it is. Y'all with me? Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He's manipulating the words of God. And one of the traps of the devil is manipulating the word of God. And we're going to look in a moment how he tries that with Jesus. All I can say is don't try that in a small town. <laughs> Some of you got that. I was wanting a way to insert that this morning. Don't try that in a small town. Y'all with me? Some of you are. Some of you said, what's he talking about? You'll figure it out. <clears throat> I don't miss where I'm at. Uh, verse 5 says, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. So right off the bat, first thing man done when he's saying is try to cover himself. You cannot cover yourself. You only cover through the blood of Jesus. A few verses later in verse 15, you'll find out that God made the first sacrifice and made the skins of the animals, and through the blood sacrifice, covered their sin until the ultimate sin covering could be made. At Calvary, y'all with me? Well, look at what the devil did. He manipulated the words. Okay? Let me give you a modern-day version of what just happened right there. See, the devil uses the same things over and over that he started with in the garden, that he's done with people online. We're going to look at a moment where he tried that with Jesus, and that don't work. Right? Because Jesus knew the word. He couldn't manipulate his word because it's his word. And he just told the devil, get behind me. Shut up. <laughs> oh, I, I added that. That's part of my version too. But that's basically what happened. So, he uses the same old tactics. You know what he just told them? He said, go ahead and eat of the fruit. Because then you'll be like God. So you don't need God. You can be your own God. 
Let me give you a modern day version of that. And I'm not going to ask for no apologies and I'm not going to back down. One of the modern day versions of that is transgender. The transgender thing is saying that God don't know what he's talking about. I can self-identify with anything I want. I can be my own God. That's a lie of the devil. I don't care what you do. It ain't nothing you can't do. You can have a doctor mutilate your body, but you're still who you are. And you can't change that. Self-identify. Self-identify with a cat. Go scratch around in a litter box. You're still a woman or you're still a man. That gets on my, is that not the craziest thing you ever heard of? I'm going to self-identify. Well, you can self-identify all you want to, but you're who God made you. Let me throw in something else. She saw the fruit that it was good, right? Here's where you got to be careful. Christians especially, a stuff that's good for you. Well, if it's good, if it's something good, then it's got to be of God. The devil will do good things for you to keep you from getting the greatness of God. God will have something great for you and you'll settle for something just good. Mediocre. Well, I just don't know why I can't get... Well, you ought to shut up and pay attention to God. It might help a little bit. Right? Quit trying to be your own God and be who God made you to be. Do what God has you to do. Be Daniel and do what you're supposed to do. And God will take care of you, I promise you. I've never seen anyone living in any of them kind of sins that are satisfied. You know why? Because your soul is only satisfied with the one who made it. And that's it. Don't fall for those traps. Let's look some more. Before I run out of time. If I run out of time, I'm going to go over Matthew 4, Luke 4, that's Jesus in the wilderness with the devil. Let me tell you what really happened. If you go back and read those, and I ain't got time this morning to read all that, but if you'll go back and read it, you'll realize that when Jesus started his ministry, he went and he had just left, when he went to the wilderness, he had just left John the Baptist. He had just been baptized and the spirit of the Lord ascended on him like a dove, right? And it said that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he went to the wilderness and fasted. What did I say a while ago? What does fasting do? It builds the spirit. He was already filled with the spirit and now he made the spirit strong. And when the devil come to him, he's just like, you stupid. Get behind me. This ain't going to work. You're not going to manipulate my words and the words of the Father because I only do what I see the Father doing. And you're not going to get me to change or waver in no form or fashion because he was, at, he was, given, he was going to give him. One of the things he worked on was his patience. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and he said, if you'll fall and worship me, all this will be yours. And he just good said, oh, that's mine anyway, Jack. I just got to wait for it. And Jesus did not fall for the trap. And the devil tried to trap him. And he didn't fall for the trap. Why did he not fall for the trap? 
son of God for one thing. But what did it say he was right before he went? Filled with the Spirit. We're going to look at a few moments. If you've not been born again, if you've not got received the Holy Spirit, you're going to be stepping in all kinds of traps. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you step in a trap, that's your fault. Because you did not listen. The Holy Spirit's not going to let you fall in a trap if you will commune with him. And that's what prayer and fasting is all about. Y'all with me? Let's look at another one. Look at another point. Where am I at? All right, that's a good place. <laughs> that's how traps work. Traps work to take your mind off of the trap to make you think you can gain something from it. It's to take your mind off the trap. Now, I'm going to talk a few moments about trapping. I do some trapping. In fact, I'm going to go set some traps this evening. I got something I got to do. I got some nuisance. I, I, only, I only trap nuisance animals, okay? If you don't like it, just forgive me and go on. And my whole intent is, is to show you how traps work so that you can get an understanding, okay? But you got to take the mind off the traps. There's a guy named David Ellis. He's in Mississippi, and he traps hogs for a living. He is a hog-catching unit. This guy knows how to catch hogs. It's called the Yacht Yacht Show. Yacht Yacht, he's a big turkey hunter. And if y'all know anything about it, you know, anyway. He, he is a hog trapping unit. Let me tell you how he does it. All right, so one thing, see, not all animals, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment, you can trap by food. But this he is. Hogs is a nuisance animal. Hogs is a, wild hogs is an armadillo on steroids. If you've ever had an armadillo get in your yard, you know what I'm talking about. Now, let me give you another suggestion this morning. If you're driving down the road, especially through a neighborhood, and an armadillo walks out in the road and you do not run over him, you do not love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So the Bible says, run over armadillos. Y'all with me? Wild hogs like an armadillo on steroids. They are a nuisance animal, and they tear stuff up, okay? And this guy works a living on farms and stuff, trapping these hogs, trying to get them down to a livable level, okay? Because they have no natural predator. He's in Mississippi. They have not a natural predator in the southeast, okay? Hogs are bad boys. Uh, if you've ever had a a boar hog in a trap, and you walk up that trap with a boar hog in there, it is highly intimidating. He tries to get out of the trap to get you, okay? But now, let me tell you how it works. This guy goes through a lot of corn, and what he'll do is he'll set up a camera to do a surveillance of an area to find out where the biggest concentration of the hogs is at because he wants to try to catch as many as he can in one catch, especially the adults. Because if another adult sees another one in a trap or sees it get trapped and they don't get trapped, you'll never get that one in a trap once they've seen it, okay? 
Think about what I'm saying. And he put out that hot corn. He'd get them coming, eating free corn. That sound familiar? Get that free stuff, right? Nothing's free. As they eat on the corn, now he starts narrowing the corn pile down. And then he'll set the big trap up and set the doors up on the trap. Big hog trap system. First night, adult hogs won't go in. Think about what I'm fixing to tell you. Don't take it the wrong way. The young ones, the weak-minded, goes right in. And the other ones outside, they after about two nights of the little ones in there eating free corn, they finally think, well, nothing's wrong. I'm going to go in and eat. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. This guy sometimes will spend weeks to set the trap one time. The devil will set you up for a length of time. You think you're getting away with it. You ain't. Y'all with me? And he sets it up, and then he'll start getting that pile down narrow and narrow till he'll have a small pile right in the middle. You know why? Before he sets that trap, he wants, he wants every head going to the middle and not paying attention to the trap. Because if they're out there were looking, when he releases that trap, he does it by video. He has a hog eye system that it will let him know on his phone that there's hogs in there, and then he'll go and watch the camera, live camera, and when he sees it at the right spot, he get them at the right spot, he mashes a button. Boom. They done. They caught. Y'all see what I'm getting at? Take your mind off the trap. And it might take weeks, it might take months. But pay attention. You got to take your mind off the trap. Let's look at the next trap. Another trap. I'm just and say it. I trap beavers. Okay? I don't like beavers. Now, if you, I have hand planted 21,000 trees on my place. And when the beavers come in and wipe out about 50 of them in one week when I ain't down there, I don't like beavers. Y'all with me? Okay? That's just me. Y'all might like beavers. Beaver's a nuisance animal. But guess what? You can't catch a beaver in a trout with food. I can't set a pine tree right in the middle of a trout. And if he did, he's going to go eat one of the other 20,500 trees I got set out there. Right? Nothing I learned about a beaver. I can't set, I can't set a snare-type body tap tree, beaver trap just in a beaver slide. Because when he sees a trap, he ain't going through it. That beaver's like, huh, that's stupid. I ain't going through that. I've never caught one that way. Tried it. Don't work. And I was having a hard time catching beavers. And then I had a man go down and show me how to catch them. And we caught 18 in 13 days. Because this system works. Let me tell you what it's doing. It's making the beaver mad. Now listen to what I'm telling you. Some things that the devil sets a trap for you, he's setting a trap for things that you like, things that's going to entice you into it. And then sometimes they set traps by making you mad. Just like some of the political traps that's being set now. I don't fall for their stupid mess, but it makes me mad sometimes, and I get so mad I get not paying attention to what's going on. 
and I'm falling for the trap because I'm getting mad. Y'all with me? What a beaver does, when I got to go through and find a beaver, I have to go through and look at the slides, and not every slide has one, but they have a thing called a caster mound. It's a mound of mud, and he puts his caster in that mud that's his individual smell. And I have to get over where that is, and I have to push that mud pile out of, out of the way, make another pile of mud, and put some other beaver caster on that of another beaver. I get out from the slide, and I make a ledge about that deep under the water where he comes up, and I set my trap under the water right there on that ledge. So guess what? He comes swimming up. He's swimming down the creek, and he says, oh, wait a minute. That ain't going to work. Who's in my home? Who's in my place? Who's eating my trees? I mean, it's your trees, deadbeat. Who's eating my trees? Right? And he swims up to that bank, and when his, and when his chest touches the bank, he sets his feet down. And when he sets his feet down, bah, I got him. You know why? I just made him mad. And it took his mind off of the trap. And I trapped him. Let me tell you why. Let's look at the last one. John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring into your remembrance all things which I have said to you. You see, the devil's been setting traps since the beginning of time. And the devil will continue to set traps as long as this is his domain. The traps is there, folks. But guess what? God knows the traps is there. And God went way ahead of us. He's smarter than average bear, y'all with me? He went way ahead of us to give us the third part of the Trinity, the third part of God, the Holy Spirit, the true one. He is also God, and he is a spirit that lives within us, that gives us our strength, our being, and who we are in Christ. But guess what? We've got to commune with him. And when you commune with the Holy Spirit, when the world sets in traps, you can walk up and say, not in this small town. That ain't going to happen. I got that inserted twice, didn't I? It ain't going to happen, Jack. You can take your traps and go elsewhere. You see, he's got a bunch of names, Lucifer, Satan, all that. He's a devil. And I give him the name he is. He's a devil. And I thank God every time that I can see the trap and say, not today, devil. Not today. You can carry that on somewhere else because I ain't falling for your mess. And you know what else I like to do? I like to remind him that one day, my big brother is going to kick your tail. Y'all with me?
So every time he kicks at me, I say, kick on, big boy, because I got a big brother that's going to kick your tail, and I'm going to be there smiling all the way.